Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Service for all brands of print equipment in your office? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A. On Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It's 1234 at Edmonton. We uh, will get to some of our texts on our Heartland Ford text line a little bit later on. A lot of you chiming in on uh, Dreisaitl playing with Connor McDavid and whether or not Leon has to be on his own line. Again, some individuals that I know that have played at a very high level, frankly, they're terrific players, have said, why wouldn't you just put those two together and run them for a while? They want to play with each other, force the opposition to focus on them, and there's other teams that load up lines too, Boston and uh, Colorado. Some guests on the show receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Follow the sizzle to Alberta's own Roos Chris Steakhouse, 9990 Jasper Avenue. You can tell Rebecca and the staff Oilers now sent you the Stoffer recommendation. Well, New Yorker. Absolutely. With a little bit of peppercorn. That's kind of how I roll at Roos Chris. Craig Simpson joins us from NHL Hockey and Rogers. Craig, how are you? I'm good, Bob. How are you? Good. Um, well, we're, we're, we're going to circle back to a place that we've been to before. Leon Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid together. Uh, and again, maybe last night wasn't the truest indicator, because I think we can agree the Canadians' defense is challenged right now without Shea Weber. In fact, they might be challenged with Shea Weber. Leon could have had five or six goals in last night's game. But just your thought on that tandem uh, being put back together. Well, I, I think what you're going to see is... Uh you know, a time throughout the year where your coach looks at the vibe of the team. Are you struggling? Are guys rolling? Who's got their game on top? Uh, can you afford to stack up a line? Uh, I, I think there's always going to be times you want to shake things up a little bit if, it, if it's not working. Uh, I think you go back to last year, two years ago, you know that those two can play well together, and when they are, they're a real force. So, you know, I think the elements that they have uh, really complement each other well. So I think it's going to be one that you'll go for a while and maybe things get stale or other guys struggle. You, you look at your other lines, and I, I've said this so many times, Bob, but, you know, as a coaching staff, it truly is amazing how many times you look up at your board with your lines and you start tinkering and feel good about one line, but then that change changes two lines that you don't like so much. So... I still think it will be a, a work in progress that you might change. But when you get a game like that, you know that uh, from Leon's standpoint, and, and I've always said this, if you got an opportunity to play with McDavid, 
you know, you grab it and make sure you take advantage of it. And to, to me, more than any other guy in that lineup, you know, he seems to read Connor well and jump in those holes and make that give-and-go play. And I, I think there's no question that each guy likes playing with each other and feels really comp- uh, comfortable with the compliment to each other. So, you know, when things are maybe getting stale, you go right back to it. it I don't think it necessarily means that you're going to see that line stick together. And I, I heard you before, everyone thinking, okay, Drysdale's got to be able to drive a line of his own. Uh, that, that's fine. And ultimately, I think you'll see times where that will happen. But if he's the best player to play with McDavid and you can up your you know, production by 15 20% by putting them together, I, I don't think there's necessarily a big negative by going ahead and doing that. Craig, before you came to the Oilers, if you and people can go back on YouTube if they want to second-guess me on this, but you shouldn't, believe it or not, the most productive line that the Edmonton Oilers had was when Glenn Anderson got moved beside Wayne Gretzky and Yerry Curry. They were damn near unstoppable. Like the highest scoring games in Oilers history. Usually, and and there was a time that Messier got hurt during the 85-86 season, suffered an ankle injury, was out for a while. Uh, but when they put, and, and that's, you know, I mean, Glenn, and I know it's a, people say, well, it's a completely different time, and, you know, forwards backtrack and support defensively better, and, you know, fewer goals are scored off the rush and all that kind of stuff. But you know what? When the best play of the best, and that line was unbelievable. And, of course, you came around in 87, 88, and you played with Mark and Glenn Anderson, and that gave the Oilers a second number one line because Curry and Tickenen were there at Wayne as well. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, I mean, you can load them up, at least over when when the orders, when Glenn needed a little spark back in the mid-'80s. Yeah. That's that's where I'm going with this. When he needed a little spark, that's what he did. He put Anderson with Curry and Gretzky and said, all right, stop me. And that's, you know, when I when I see uh, Dreisaitl and McDavid get put together, I think the same. And, and one more thing here, Craig, just the reason they moved away from – uh, playing Leon on Connor's line in the playoff series against Anaheim wasn't the lack of product- productivity from uh, Connor and, and Leon being playing together. It was because, unfortunately for the Oilers, uh, Lucci, Cheberle, and uh, Nugent Hopkins were struggling to create five and five. In fact, they didn't score an even strength goal in the playoffs yeah, that year. There's right? going to be match. There's going to be matchup problems that that right. typically dictate when you do make those changes or when you have to shuffle the deck a little bit and. Yeah, I, I just think that, uh, you, you know, you, you try to see organically where chemistry lies, and you've tried a few different guys. You know, you, you go back to preseason, and you had Ty Ratty up there with Nugent Hopkins and McDavid, and, boy, they were unstoppable. But all of a sudden, you know, the exhibition isn't the regular season, and you get an injury, and that doesn't work. Um, I, I don't get as, you know, frenetic, excited, or anxious about all the changes. I, I think unless you have a team that is really loaded and has natural uh, combinations that just seem to work and your team gets on a run, you don't, you know, ultimately a coach would love to have a 20-game period where he rarely has to think about who plays with whom because it just, it happens. You've got depth, you've got cohesive lines, you've got matchups that work, and you can leave it. But there aren't many teams around the league that have that now, and 
I think what you're seeing with this team is, you know, a bit of transition that some things have worked, some have clicked pretty well. Uh, but I don't think there's any question that if you're looking back to a go-to over the last three years, there, there's no question that those two are the best two players to play for, with each other. They're the most productive. And that's why I think you'll see periodically go away from it. But when you need it, you'll go back to it. Does the coach have to factor in that his best guys want to play with each other? Uh, you're, you're, there's times where you know the pressure's on, that you need guys to get production, and you can go back to it to, to maybe get a kickstart or you feel uh, like a guy needs a confidence boost. But uh, I think you're always looking at your lineup and saying, you know, what gives me the best chance to win? And if I've got a game against, as you mentioned, uh, a Montreal team that is you know, doing well with what they have and is, has a young group, but you're not really worried about a matchup. You're not really worried about a defensive problem. Uh, and you feel loading up gives you a chance to, to bury the game. You know, I, I think that's a really easy cause. You, you might have another game in two or three or four games ahead where you go, I'm not sure we can be loaded up. We need to balance it out a little bit more so that we can play against this specific team. And, and that's where you, you know, you, you're hesitant to change a lineup that's working or a game or a stretch of games that has been real positive. But I think you're always flexible because of your opponent and how you need to balance things out. And, you know, you hope and you saw a little bit of it that I've said all along, we talked about that fourth line or third line of taking the responsibility of saying, okay, let's get a little role going here where you build some trust for your coach. You get some hard shifts you get some good forechecks you get some offensive zone time and when you see a game like that and you saw it a bit last night that your your fourth and your third line early in a game get some good shifts get some good offensive zone time get a little bit of a you know momentum swing in the game that's where you start to build okay maybe maybe this lineup or this group is starting to come together and and we can continue this for a while yeah, we're joined by Craig Simpson from NHL Hockey and Rogers, lead analyst for Hockey Night in Canada. Bob Stoffer with you on Oilers now. So Edmonton uh, gets the 6-2 victory. 6-2, 4-1, 2 last three games against Montreal. Um, Cam Talbot has uh, last four starts, uh, hasn't been able to, to get the win. Uh, some of those games didn't get a lot of support. I don't know what people thought of Koskinen. I know Yari Curry, I'm told, believed in Miko Koskinen. And I'd just like to get your thoughts, Craig. Uh, you know what? He wasn't spectacular last night, but I think it was fair to say he was steady. Yeah. And I, I think it's, uh, you know, it's not lost in the fact that uh, at this stage you've got a bona fide, uh, you know, competition for the net. The, the fact that they went with him sends a pretty clear message that there's some competition there. And I, I think that's, that's healthy. I think right now you're not worried, I don't think, about hurting feelings or, uh, you know, deciding to say, oh, we're just going to give a start because, you know, you're the de facto number one. I, I think there's some, you know, serious competition. I, I think there's been some doubts about the consistency of Cam's play, and, and all of a sudden that puts... You know, a little bit more pressure and there's times when you try to coddle uh, your starting goalie or times where you protect him and try to get his confidence up 
And there's other times when you look and say, hey, I, I got to not worry so much about hurting anybody's feelings. We got to win a hockey game. Like, Bob, I, if, if that was a stinker last night and the Oilers lost, they, I, I wouldn't have been surprised if you saw, you know, some rumblings of changes. Yep. And I, I don't think it's undermined how important that game was last night uh, with a couple of, you know, busy games on the weekend that you go back to back and, and, and need to really get on a roll and stop the, the bleeding, so to speak. So uh, I, I think it was pretty telling that they said, you know, who's going to give us the best chance to win tonight? I, I felt it was Koskinen. Obviously, the team did. And I think that can be, a, you know, maybe a healthy fire up for Cam to say, you got a little competition and now you got to have your competitive instincts and say, if I'm going to get that net back, it's got to be because of my performance, not just the fact that I'm, you know, quote-unquote, the number one guy. Well, I think it took them eight games into the season before they gave Koskinen a start. Uh, yeah. Craig, tell me this. You guys know who's going out. I know you still got to deliver in-game, but I, what I try to do is if the team practices at 10-15, I know that Koskinen's going to be on the ice around 9:55, so I try to slide down there for it. I can tell you that for the three-week stretch before he ever got a start, and still now, he's the first guy on the ice. Now, a lot of times goalies are, but Dustin Schwartz is out there with him. Actually, yes, a Pugliarvi a lot of times was the other guy that would go out with Koskinen. And they would hammer pucks off short sides from acute angles. Um, they'd work on high uh, high wraparounds on the board so he could use his body to stop the puck in the wraparound. They'd, yep. wor- they'd work on him outletting the puck as a goaltender because he's most finished goaltenders struggle with puck handling. Um, does that are, are the players if they're not out there? Are they cognizant of a guy going out there working on his game, trying to understand the North American angles better, how to play the puck, those sort of things? Yeah, I, I always think you're you're conscious of uh, you know attitude. I, I've always said attitude is everything. And if if you're a guy who's new to the team, uh, back being new, although he's played before at the North American Ice, uh, you know, back to getting comfortable with with the angles and the reads and how you have to move around your crease. Uh, you know, I, I think I've always looked at your backup and say, give me give me a feel of what your energy is like. Are you the guy that will, you know, uh, you can grab as a shooter after practice or even before practice and say, Hey, can you come out early? I need to work on a few things around the net with you. And, you know, I've always said uh, that goes a long way to developing loyalty and, and real excitement about your, your backup. I I thought that's what I loved Uh, when Bill Ranford was traded to us in the the spring of 88, you know, I I just felt that first year he took a back seat to Grant, obviously, and Grant had a Vesna year that year and was amazing in the playoffs. But what struck me about Billy was what a competitor he was, and it helped me and other guys as shooters that every day in practice you stayed out and you did extra, and he'd take the one-timers, and, you know, you'd have a good, healthy competition. I I thought Dwayne Rollison as both backup and as a, you know, the starting goalie would would stay and do those kind of things. And I, I think that's what you know, goaltenders are really kind of the only individual in a team sport. in, in many cases, and I think it goes miles to say, give me give me a sense that you're battling, give me a sense that you're trying to learn, and give me a sense that you're ready to compete every day in practice to get the net. And you got some loyalty from your teammates if you're going to do that. So I think it is important 
for him to have that adjustment period of, you know, how different the read is of when a guy's coming down the side and he's at the top of the circles in the in the in the North American ice surface that sets a different look on than the international one, and that's got to be an adjustment for him. And good for him and the coaching staff for consistently working on that day after day. Do you believe there's a legitimate battle in between the pipes oh, right now? Oh, totally. I, I totally do. I I agree with you uh, wholeheartedly that the 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 team had to be a little worried about that transition from international to North America. Yeah. He didn't didn't have a great preseason so you're saying hey i'm gonna let him you know uh settle and sift in the wind a little bit and see okay is he gonna go and work and dig in and maybe get better and work on those little things they gave cam you know every indication that uh, early on it's your net you don't have to worry about looking over your shoulder get playing but when the opportunity was there or where there was a little bit of a falter i i think it's clear now that the confidence level has been shown that they feel he can win. And I, I did think that was a significant call last night to, to put him in the pipes. And he did everything in his power to say, I'm comfortable with that decision. I understand my opportunity. And so I do. I do think there's a healthy competition. And with, isn't it back-to-backs this weekend, right? Saturday, yeah, Sunday. So, yeah. I, so he's going to play one of those, too. Well, he should play Saturday. Um, to me, you win, you're in. He should play Saturday in Calgary. He's already played there in the preseason. And uh, and then Talbot gets the second on the back-to-back against Vegas. That's what I would do. Well, it'll be, uh, I think that would be a, a, a telling call there as well. And, okay. and if you're asking, is there legitimate competition, if you see Coughlin and get the, get the call on Saturday, I would say that's a resounding yes, if that's the case. All right. Uh, I, just as an aside, and I, I know Elro packer Renan made some comments about communication in, in the Finnish papers with Todd McClellan. Uh, my Finnish is almost as bad as my English, so I had difficulties deciphering it. Uh, I really liked Ilro as a guy. Uh, the, but the one thing he did that drove me nuts, and I, just, I, I want you to hearken back to when you played, he used he used to hit goaltenders high all the time. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this. And you talked about doing that extra work and Bill Radford taking extra shots. And there's at least twice, once when Gene Principe was actually filming practice, and he drilled Talbot with a like a, a rocket because he could shoot the pill. Yeah. And I was like, what the? Are you, you're a fourth-line guy drilling your goaltender in the morning skate. But i, I got to ask you, was there a guy that, or two? For some reason, I would think that Essa Tikkanen might have been that yeah. guy. Is that I was going to say, Tiki's the guy that just, uh, you know, I, I, I think there was always a, a bit of a, an understanding with your, your backup at times. And I, I would use it as saying, um, if we're doing just you and I one-on-one, specific shot drills maybe it's a one-timer you know cross crease or high seam so that the goalie and the shooter are both on the same page and you respect me enough that you know there's got to be times where i try to go top you know top shelf short side or top right side and there's going to be the odd time where it might get away from me but we both have trust in each other that we're just trying to get better and trying to hit spots so every now and then if it goes up high you kind of look at each other and say hey sorry that got away from me but it's the other times in the midst of practice where it's just a normal drill or you're coming down the side. That's what drives goalies crazy is when you got a guy that 
comes in with no real reason to be headhunting or no chance of scoring, and you drill one off his mask or off his shoulder. And, yeah, every now and then, Tiki would just get ahead of himself and just put his head down and, you know, blow one, and it would drive, you know, whether it was Grant or, or Billy or, or someone in that regard, you know, those are the times where there's no need for that because there isn't a real understanding of this is what the drill is, this is what we're going to do, and that's what drives goaltenders crazy. And, and nothing worse, too, Bob, than in warm-up during the game. Yeah, You know, you're coming in and they got 15 guys curling around and taking little shots, and one of the guys just drills one off your head or off your shoulder. You know, that's, that's totally on the player, and that's unneeded. Uh, that's un, unnecessary, and I know uh, drives goaltenders crazy. Craig, final one for you. Um... I know a lot of guys that grew up aiming for crossbar post and in, and it's Mm -hmm. hard to do. And as I saw Leon hit the post the second time in a row in basically the same spot, I'm like, he's aiming for the post. And he's So you tell me, you were a goal scorer, you scored 50 in the NHL. Did you aim for post and in or crossbar and in? I I think I've told you this story before. The the biggest learning curve I had was playing with Mario in Pittsburgh as an as an 18 year old for me and and watching how many times in those quick little release in the slot and in different places he wouldn't have the hardest shot it would just be a quick release but it was always in the perfect area and typically you know off the post and in and I I would say my first three years especially in the league I, I spent every single day doing drills around that area to get the you know, ingrained in my mind the framework of the post. You could just see like a picture frame exactly where you needed to be and get into that, you know, train your body and your mind to feel where that was. And the quick release was always trying to go off the post and in. And I'm I'm a firm believer that if I can consistently get a half an inch inside the post, when the other guys are putting it four inches inside the post or three inches, I, you know, I'm going to get probably 30 to 40 to 50 percent more goals than the other guy and so i I do believe that's a real mindset of how you you frame the net in your mind in your subconscious and then i always just had you know i look for air look for the holes and uh have that with the mind of where the goaltender was moving and i i just find if you can um refine that you're going to score more than not when you, you know, you're going to get the odd night where you get the four posts and, and you should have scored but i think more than not you see that posting in and it works where are you this week i got montreal going into vancouver so i'll be interested to see two pretty you know young teams that are having okay starts but this is that 20 game mark where yep. you know it's starting to get difficult both teams have been a hard time getting something going so it should be a good matchup craig we'll talk next week thank you for your time all right, Bob, take care. You bet. From NHL Hockey and Rogers, Hockey Night in Canada, that's Craig Simpson. Oilers fans, you can book with New West Travel. We're going to go to Vegas and Nashville. These Oilers Now packages include airfare, accommodation, great game tickets, a private suite in Vegas, all your transportation. We'll have a welcome reception or two with myself and special guests and parking at the Value Park at the Edmonton International Airport. Limited space to get on these Oilers Now roadies in Nashville and Vegas. Reach out to New West Travel, 780-432-7446 or online at newwesttravel.com. We're going to marry the break. Come back at 105. We will get to your text on. Lin- this episode is brought to you by Hyperice 
the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. John Dreisaitl and Connor McDavid playing together. Uh, Kurt Hill from the Red Hot Edmonton Oil Kings coming up. Off to a global news weather traffic update. Eileen Bell. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad.